Hey, it's Dr. Mikey Nelson here with the Flux Diet Podcast, where we're talking all about things to increase body composition and performance, all without destroying your health using a flexible approach. And today it's sponsored again by the Flex Diet Certification. For more information on that, go over to flexdiet.com, F-L-E-X-D-I-E-T.com, and you'll be able to sign up to the waitlist there for the next time that it opens. And today this is a little bit shorter podcast. It's just myself here and wanted to <clears throat> talk a little bit about Goal setting. Uh, we talked about this on the Iron Radio podcast this past week also, um, but wanted to go into just a few more details of, I think, some of the, the things that get overlooked with the goal setting. Uh, using a smart approach, I think, is always a good idea, um, but there's some other caveats and nuances that I've found make the process much easier. So if we jump right into it, number one is quality over quantity. And this is probably a surprise to most people because by now it's been beat to death that if you want to add more muscle mass, get stronger, doing more reps and doing more volume is going to be a good thing. And I agree with that, but up to a point. Right. Unfortunately, physiology is not completely linear. Otherwise, you would walk into any gym and lots of people would be bench pressing 400 pounds after just a couple of years. Because it's just as simple as you add five pounds to the bar every week and then you can magically bench press 400 pounds. And of course, we all know that doesn't quite work that way. I think with the Kind of the craze of volume now, people tend to look at ways of increasing volume and then sacrificing quality. And if, like we said, volume is important. We know that is a main driver for hypertrophy. We know it's a big driver for strength. You're going to burn more calories. So doing volume is a good thing. Doing a little bit more volume over time than what you've done before super helpful, but the quality is still important. So if we're talking about the gym, what are we talking about quality? The easiest way I think to look at that is just rate on a one to 10 scale or even just in your head, the last set that you did, how do you feel the quality was? Maybe you have certain sensations that this maps to if you're using more of a bodybuilding type approach you're trying to target a specific muscle a lot of times this involves rep speed if it was very very slow and grinding if you just got a single and your goal was to get a single it's probably pretty good if you were doing triples and now you did a slow grinding single you might be done with that uh, set or even that exercise for the day definitely a big difference in quality and of course, if you film it and look at it, did you use a different biomechanical strategy? So for example, in the squat, did your hips come up uh, sooner? So you kind of used more of your low back than you had before. So now you're probably training something a little bit different. Those would all be indicators that your 
quality has gone down. So if you go into most gyms, what I see typically is people doing reps that they probably should have stopped a little bit sooner, especially if your goal is strength. And I would even argue on most compound lifts, even if your goal is to add more hypertrophy, more muscle, I think machines are much better for going closer to failure. Just a lot less things that could go wrong, especially when you're on the newer side. If you watch more advanced lifters, you'll see that a fair amount of them can kind of grind out a lift at a very slow velocity, and it still looks pretty good. If you see new lifters, eh, that's a skill that most of them don't have yet. Again, so did your form change from what you had planned? Did your rep speed change? Did you have a different sensation in what you felt? So I remember years ago when I did the, the old RKC, the Tactical Strength Challenge. And for those who are not familiar with it, I think they still have it. It was max number of pull-ups, a one rep deadlift, and then kettlebell snatches for five minutes. At the time, I think it's still the same way for men. The non-elite version was 24 kg kettlebell for five minutes for snatches, bodyweight pull-ups, and then a 1RM deadlift. The elite category was pull-ups plus 25 pounds, I believe, or maybe it was a percentage of your body weight, a 1RM deadlift, and then max kettlebell snatches with a 32 kg kettlebell. So I did it for several years. Uh, the last time I did it, I decided to do the elite category. Pull-ups are definitely a lot harder with added weight, no shock. Uh, 1RM deadlift was the same. The kettlebell snatches with the 32 was utterly freaking miserable. Um, I think I only got 64, 62, somewhere in the 60s over five minutes and I was utterly wrecked for about 10 to 15 minutes after that. So pretty abysmal. But uh, while we were watching the event, my good buddy Adam Glass was there also. A friend of ours came down from North Dakota. We got to the deadlift, and he did sort of a round back RDL deadlift with 455. So we both kind of looked at each other, and we were equally impressed that he was able to pull that off and didn't get injured and utterly horrified at the same idea because it could have gone so so bad All right so obviously that was a big change in his form from his earlier warm-ups and you know luckily he didn't get injured with that so uh, when we're looking at goal setting and we're doing work in the gym a kind of forgotten principle is that we want to emphasize quality over quantity first. A follow-up story to this, my good buddy Cal Dietz, University of Minnesota. I was down there hanging out with him maybe four years ago now. I was helping him with the project. And we were discussing just different training concepts. And he had this whole whiteboard that he filled up in about 40 minutes and I had to write an article about it and help him with a book. I'm trying to think, like, how the heck am I going to explain any of this to someone who was not sitting in the room? Of course, we didn't have video or anything on. 
So I kind of paused at the end. I looked at him like, okay, so you're saying all of this. You're saying that do the highest quality work you can first and then do more of it. He kind of paused and looked at me and he's like, yes. <laughs> so quality, do quality work first and then add more quantity. So a second kind of it's a forgotten principle to get closer to your goals. Um, again, goal setting, helpful. But how do you do it when you get down into the weeds? Is looking at a very simple thing called the said principle. Specific adaptation to imposed demand. Um, so I first heard about this and more emphasized from Dr. Eric Hobb of Z Health. And it amazed me that I had taken... Oh man, by that point, several years of physiology, this is going back, oh man, maybe 16 years ago now, and the said principle had rarely ever been mentioned. And once you hear it, you're like, oh wow, that seems to be pretty simple. It's one of those concepts that's almost too simple that people forget about. So specific adaptation to imposed demand. So if you want to get better at, say, squatting, or let's say a front squat to be more specific, then your training should have some front squats, right? So Dan John has talked a lot about this, which is awesome. If you want to get better at conventional deadlift, then your program should have conventional deadlift in it, right? And it's one of those concepts that, again, seems so simple that people forget. Now, the caveat to that is, and there's some exceptions to this, you probably can't do that thing all the time every day. And you're probably not going to deadlift six days per week. I have tried that, although I had to rotate deadlift variations and make sure they were sub-max. Um, we do find that some athletes, especially Olympic weightlifting athletes, can get away doing a high amount of repetition of similar exercises. But for most people, you're going to need a little bit more variety. But then variety tends to take over, and someone wanted, let's say, to get better at their 1RM deadlift, and they haven't done a, a heavy-ish deadlift at all for many months, right? So principle number two is the said principle, specific adaptation to impose demand. Whatever it is you are working on to get better related to your goals, you should probably do that thing in practice, right? And related to that is something called positive transfer, you go back to uh, Pavel, he would say this is the what-the-heck effect. And we know that you can actually get better by paradoxically not doing the thing you were trying to get better at. For example, if you were trying to get better at your 1RM deadlift, sometimes doing squats will have a transfer to your 1RM deadlift, or 45-degree back extensions, or kettlebell swings or something else that doesn't really look like a deadlift. However, it could increase the thing where you have a weak spot. So we want to maximize quality first, then at quantity. We want to maximize the said principle. So do the specific thing we're trying to get better at. And then once we've maxed out the said principle, in my biased but accurate opinion, we then want to look at positive transfer, adding other exercises in or what's commonly called accessory work. 
Um, a lot of times what I see with lifters is they get a little bit too excited about accessory work and their whole program is accessory work. Or they go the opposite and they're trying to deadlift six days a week, can't figure out why their deadlift didn't go up. Most of the time, if we look at their program, we'll see that their quality of work has actually gone down. So you get closer to your goals. I think the top three sort of forgotten principles are quality first, then quantity, maximize the said principle, and then number three, add in positive transfer when needed. So that's today's topic. Hope you enjoyed that. And this is a little bit more on the exercise realm. And within the Flex Diet Certification, we do have a whole module on exercise. It doesn't get granular into programming, uh, but goes over some concepts similar to this. So that when you look at exercise programs from a principle standpoint, you'll have a better idea of what to do. And then also, how do you match them up with exercise? One of the concepts we use in there is something called MM, so macro matching, or you may be doing a purposeful macro mismatching. So if I'm doing weight training exercises, the main fuel for them is going to be primarily carbohydrates, at least during the exercise itself. So I'm going to want to maximize carbohydrate intake on those days or maybe even around those training sessions. So that would be a matched macro approach as a form of use stress. If you're an advanced athlete or have kind of hit a ceiling, there may be a specific time where you want to purposely mismatch macronutrients. This would be doing a very glycogen depletion work where you can deplete out both liver glycogen and even muscle glycogen, which is very hard, extremely brutal, very high stress. Come back and purposely exercise on lower muscle glycogen. So again, this is a distress training, training that will take you longer to recover from. Your goal is to maximize these cellular adaptations, and you're okay to take an acute drop in performance. Um, so we talk about carbohydrates, fat, exercise, neat fasting, sleep, and a whole lot more. You can go to flexdiet.com for all the details. Get onto the wait list there, and that'll put you on the daily newsletter. And once it opens up again, you will be the first to be able to sign up. And I've got some other super cool stuff coming up later this year also I think you'll be super interested in. So thank you so much for the podcast today and listening in. Greatly appreciate it. Get on the wait list. Go to flexdiet.com. Thank you so much. Talk to you again soon.